good. If you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. We've been doing a series this year called Thrive. Don't just survive life, but thrive. And I truly believe that when we live the Christian life that we're supposed to, the way that we're supposed to, we will be people that thrive. Doesn't mean that life will be easy. Doesn't mean that we'll have exemption from hardship. Doesn't mean we won't have adversity, because we will. Jesus promised us that we would. But we should be able to thrive no matter how tough the circumstances. We should come through those circumstances or we should react and respond in those difficult circumstances just like Jesus would have. That's really how we know that we're mature in God. And I guess that's what thriving is, isn't it? It's being able to to know that I'm being Jesus, whatever comes my way, whether that be something easy, something difficult, and we want to come out the other side. And Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world, but you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's the language of thriving. We're going to have adversity. We're going to have hardship physically, hardship mentally, hardship emotionally. We're going to have ups and downs, good times, bad times. But within that circumstance and situation, we should be able to rise up like that little plant and thrive. It won't be easy at times. It'll be a struggle. But the Christian life is that we are more than conquerors. We are the planting of the Lord. And we're supposed to come out or through or in the midst of those tough times and be victorious and know that we are. So to thrive is to come out victorious in every circumstances, whatever and whenever that situation. So we might lose a child and it could be the most tragic thing that we could imagine happening. And yet in the midst of that, we can thrive. Doesn't mean there won't be grief. Doesn't mean there won't be days when that are really dark and gloomy. But, but we should be able to come through and know that we're standing on the promises and the word and the presence of God. And the battle is going to involve our, the realm of our body and our soul and our mind and our spirit. And if we look at each of those four things, they contribute together to being someone who thrives. So you might be really strong emotionally and strong in the spirit, but your body might be really weak. You might have muscular dystrophy or you might have multiple sclerosis or something like that, but you can still thrive. You can still thrive in God. And the Bible teaches us that we are made up of body, soul and spirit, that we're a The Bible doesn't actually call it this, but the theologians call it a tripartite being or a three-part being. So we're body, soul and spirit. So we all come in a different tent. We all got a different body. Mine's a skinny one. Steve's is a big, strong, muscly one. He's laughing at me. I don't know what Trent's is. What's yours, Trent? You're just a man mountain, aren't you, mate? You weren't listening, were you? (laughs) But you... But we all have a body, right? And sometimes that body does what we want it to. Sometimes we have to drag it around. Sometimes it behaves. Sometimes it doesn't. We all have a soul. We all have a a mind, will and emotions. We all, you know, we all experience joy. We all experience anger. We all experience those emotions. We all have a mind that to a large extent governs the way that we see life. If we have a mindset that is like the mind of Christ, then we see the world very differently to if we have a mind full of fear and doubt and we're crippled mentally. And we all have a spirit. Now, before you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit was dead. 
But the moment you gave your life to Christ, your spirit became alive in Christ. And the Holy Spirit indwells our spirit so we can commune with God internally. The Spirit of God dwells within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, our body and our soul can still be affected by our past life, but our spirit is sealed by God, set apart. It's what that one part of our composition as a human being that the devil can't really get to because it's in Christ. Our body is fading away. As you can see, my hair is getting grey. But my spirit is my true Mark Wilson. That's who I truly am. And so we need to realise that the work of God in our life is to make us blameless body, soul, mind and spirit. That the spirit of God is working in us through this life of ours to grow us into maturity in all those areas. So where in the past there may have been a, a weakness in our life, God is trying to work on us in such a way that that becomes a great strength. Whereas before we might have run away from conflict, now we are sure of who we are in Christ and we can stand and, and, and what people say about us doesn't matter so much anymore. And so we learn to be strong not just strong in the spirit, we feed our spirit through the word of God and through prayer and through and the disciplines, but we also grow in maturity in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. So when God says go, we don't get into a 10-year argument about whether we should do what he says, we obey. Because our mind has been trained to obey the will and the call of God on our lives. So we need to remember that we are body, soul and spirit. And those Three things are very much intertwined and they can affect each other really badly or really positively. So I might be someone in a wheelchair who can hardly do anything physically, but mentally and spiritually I can be so strong and sharp. I can be, you know, a, a basket case in my emotions, worried and anxious and ooh, fearful, but I could be really strong physically. Those two are very much intertwined. And what God is trying to do us is make us strong, strong and strong in all those areas. He wants to present us blameless on the day of Christ, body, soul and spirit. So we're in this battle, really. We're in this battle for our spirit and our soul and our body to be like living sacrifices, to be realms that God can speak into, can use, can dwell in, can train us and equip us to grow in God so that we thrive. It's no good thriving emotionally and spiritually if you're dying physically. And God wants us to thrive in all those areas no matter what the circumstances are. He wants us to have a victory. So they're intertwined. If I'm physically weak or fatigued, it's difficult for me to worship. It's difficult for me to focus my mind and, and, and my emotions if physically I'm just wrecked. You need discipline to break through the physical realm to enter into the mental and the spiritual realm. And this is something we don't teach Christians very often. I want to teach you something today that in my 49 years, if you learn this one thing, I guarantee it's the greatest gem I could give you. And you won't get taught it very often because it's not popular. But it's the key, and I'll show you how it's the key, to really living the fullness of the Christian life. If I'm weak spiritually, if I don't read my Bible, 
if I don't pray, if I'm not strong in the Lord, then it doesn't matter how strong I am physically. I can be as strong as Trent, but it won't be any good if I'm not strong spiritually because the enemy will get in and he'll have a go at me. And I'll fall over, even though I'm like a man mountain, in my emotions and my will and my mind, I can be really weak. And it defeats the purpose because the enemy's smart. He'll find out the way to get to you. He'll find out your weakness and he'll attack that. So as believers, the Holy Spirit is endeavouring to work with us and mature each of these areas of our existence so we are like Jesus in the way we think, feel, respond, react. We thrive. And there'll be people here today that struggle mentally with thoughts. The enemy gets in, he casts doubts, he casts fears, and then you get down and then that can affect you physically and then you're, you get worried and anxious then emotionally and, and you're not thriving anymore. And so God's set up the Christian life so that we can, we can ride above hardship, we can endure hardship, we can, the Bible says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when tribulation comes your way. Now that's... That's a backward way of thinking, isn't it? But it's not in God's economy. And that's what I'm trying to teach you today is that you are a physical being. You are a mental being. You are a soulish being. And you have a physical body. And all those things work together. And you need to pay attention to all four. You need to grow each four. You need to strengthen each four. And I want to show you something really significant. When Paul um, wrote... To Timothy. Now, Timothy was like Paul's protege. He was a young man that got saved and Paul took him under his wing and looked after him and grew him in the faith. And, you know, Timothy came from a home where his mother and his grandmother were strong in the Lord. So he had this great heritage. And Paul writes to him when he's in prison and his impending death is coming. It's highly probable that Paul is going to be executed. And so he's writing to Timothy his last words. Okay, now whenever someone like the guys in the Bali prison at the moment, if you get some letter from them right now, you're going to know it's coming straight from their heart. They're not going to give fairy, airy fairy, wasn't the weather nice. They're going to write to their mum and dad and say, I love you. Thank you for. So Paul's writing to Timothy and he's, he's giving him his last counsel, his final words, and he's saying, Timothy, grab hold of this. Because this will stand you in good stead for the rest of your life. This is the, the one thing I want to remind you of that I can pass on to you. Don't forget it. Get this and, and your life will grow. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved child, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, so that I may be filled with joy, taking recollection of the sincere faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So here's Paul. He's writing to Timothy, final counsel, consoling him because Timothy's obviously in tears and Paul knows that, that he's worried about his mentor who's going to die. And yet Paul's saying, mate, 
stir up the gift of God which is in, within you that you received by the laying on of my hands. So Paul knows he's spirit-filled. Paul knows he's set apart for God. And he's saying, Timothy, here's a clue. No matter what you do in life, stir up that gift. Stir it up. It'll be the key to your longevity. And then he goes on to talk about how God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind, body, soul, and spirit. So Paul's teaching Paul, uh, Timothy, that in every area of his life, he can be Christ-like. He can have victory. He can be strong. But he will need to learn how to stir up the gift of God that is resident within him if he's going to experience those things. So Timothy can live in fear or he can stir up the gift of God within him and he can live in the confidence that only God can give. He may have a lack of love in his life for someone in his congregation, but if he stirs up the gift of God in his life, there'll be compassion and love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness. So it's like Paul's trying to say, Timothy, everything you need is within you because Christ is in you. And you need to stir up the gift of Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to rise up within you. And God will give to you everything that you lack. In fact, it's the principle of the exchanged life. Everything that you don't have, Timothy, God's got it already sitting there within you. Stir it up. Stir it up. So we shouldn't be a people of fear, but we should be a people of love, of power and a sound mind. So power is physical, right? Anytime we need physical energy, anytime we need power, we ask the Holy Spirit to give us that power. Anytime we are lacking in love, we ask Lord to fill us with love and love will flow. Compassion, mercy, grace. We can have the mind of Christ. That word that Paul uses in the Greek is he uses the word sound mind, but it's discipline and self-control. So that's our mind. We can, we can steal our minds to do the things of God, to be locked onto the things of God, not to be you know, cast down by doubt and fear and insecurity and in inadequacy. We can know that the God within us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And it's not a concept that we teach very well in Western Christendom because we have a default place where we teach people to go to somebody else or to go to some function or some church service or some guru and get from them what you need. And we're making a, a dependent group of Christians instead of an independent group of Christians that are dependent only on the Spirit of God. You don't need to go to Mark Wilson for wise counsel. You need to go to the source of all wisdom, which is God. Where is God? He's within you. Stir up that gift. How do you stir up the gift? That's the big question. That's the big question. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, I've been doing a lot of painting down at the Liberty Centre lately. All different colours on the walls and it's looking really good. But I realised this week that there's a great analogy. See, if you're a painter and you open up a tin of paint, the first thing you will do is stir it. Whether that tin has been sitting there for six years or six months or six hours, you will stir it up. Sometimes you don't even know what the colour is because it's been sitting there so long, the sediment and the pigment has dropped to the bottom of the tin and you go, I wonder what colour's in there. 
yeah, there's a bit of red on the outside and a bit of green, but I don't know what you need. You start to stir it up and, you know, it's a bit like there's mud down the bottom. But as you stir it, all the different colours begin to mix and you turn, oh, it's actually yellow, <laughs> you know. And our lives are a little bit like that. We need to stir them all the time. We need to learn the discipline of stirring ourselves up in God. So you come to church on a Sunday morning, you're so tired, you're fagged out from the week and and it's time for worship and you want to worship God but your body's just saying, can't do it, too tired, been doing too much concrete or whatever it is. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. It takes discipline. I don't feel like worshipping today, God, but I will stir how do you stir up worship? It could be something that you do physically. Should be, I'm going to break through the physical barrier and say, God, I'm just going to raise my hands. No matter how tired I am, you're worthy of worship, God. So I thank you for this body that you've given me. And today, God, I'm going to exchange my fatigue, my exhaustion, my weariness for what you have. Does God ever get tired? Where does he live? Within you. So you need to exchange what you lack for what God can give you. And it's a principle that applies in every situation in life. God says you're lacking in wisdom, ask and you'll receive. It's not rocket science. And so we need to learn this discipline of whatever situation we're in, stir up the gift. So Simon's out doing business with somebody and he's talking to this guy and he's been really antagonistic looking at all the trailers that he's selling, picking holes in it and Simon gets to go, oh, this guy's driving me nuts, you know. So he can feed those feelings or he can say, no, God, you love that man. Lord, would you give me your love for him? Would you give me, you know, your, your grace for him today? Give me a word for him, Lord. Let me bless him and love on him. And so we exchange what we don't have, what we have in our flesh for what God will give us in the spirit and we can stand strong. So I want you to think of yourself like a paint can. You're going to need to learn how you need to stir yourself up. Have you ever been like in a, in a prayer time and you start off and you hear the sound of your own voice and you go, this is a bit flat, a bit dry, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But it's like, Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for, you know, this life that you've given me and I thank you. And suddenly you feel it's like a stirring. That's happening and suddenly you sense God beginning to rise up in you and you begin to pray for things that weren't even on, in your mind and, and, and it's like your enthusiasm builds. I'm not talking about hype. I'm talking about a stirring of God within us and we need to learn that we are in a battle. The last thing that the enemy wants is you to know how to stir yourself up. He wants to keep you inactive. He wants to keep you like a big lot of sludge down the bottom of the tin. He doesn't want to see your vibrancy. He doesn't want to see you firing on all cylinders. He wants you to be incapable of getting through your hardship. He wants you to be incapable of having victory. That's his role. And if you're just going to sit there and settle, he doesn't need to do anything. So Paul didn't write to Timothy and say, Timothy, Go down to Planet Shakers and go to their night service and get the flame. Get on fire. He said, stir up the gift that is within you. So even if Timothy found himself in a prison cell, locked up in chains, he would be able to what? Rejoice 
in the midst of hardship. So our ability to live this life for God, to thrive, isn't dependent on external things. They shouldn't influence us that greatly. It should be the presence and the power and the peace of God within us that manifests more than anything else. So if we're going to stir up the gift of God that is within us, we need to know how to take affirmative action. Sitting still won't do anything. There has to be some reaction, some action taken for us. And I believe that the principle is that we move in the opposite spirit. So when we're feeling like we can't say anything, then we start just speaking out and praising God. When we feel lazy and tired, we do the opposite thing that our body is telling us to do and we stand up on our feet and we break through. I find it very interesting to watch people on a Sunday morning, how you last for two songs, then you sit down. If you went to visit Queen Elizabeth and you sat down, they'd kick you out of, wouldn't they? Your reverence and your awe for that lady, you would not sit down. Physically, we need to learn to break through. Mentally, we need to learn to break through. And it's a discipline that, that's hard to impart to other people because it has to be a discipline that you learn yourself. Your body might not be a body that gets weary, but your mind might be easily infiltrated. And you have doubts and fears. And, and so you need to learn how to fight that battle and stir up the gift of God. How do you do that? Oh, Lord, I feel so inadequate. Oh, Sherry could stand up this morning and go, well, I'm not doing communion. You know, I can't compete with Dad. He preaches every week. If I stand up, I'll be, you know, I'll sound terrible. No. Father, thank you for the privilege that you've given me this morning. Lord, give me something to share with these people. Open my mouth. Out of, out of infants, I have ordained praise. So God, I thank you for the opportunity I've got to bless these people this morning. Lord, give me a word in season. Give me something that's, that's alive in you that can come out through me and touch people. And so she has this action. She steps up. I bet she didn't feel like it. <laughs> but she moved. You move. We don't want any more, God. You speak, Lord. We don't want to hear you speak, Lord. <laughs> Do you get the principle? We've got to learn to stir ourselves up. It's, it's not my responsibility to stir you up. Because if I stir you up, it'll be human. It'll be human manipulation or it'll be human coercion or it'll be legalism or it'll be some way. You know, we shouldn't have to stir others up. We should be stirred up ourselves. Now, the other word that Paul uses, some, some of the versions are stir up the gift or other versions are fan into flame. Okay, And the analogy is very similar. It's like a, a fire that's beginning to go out and there's just little embers there. There's a glow. And Paul is saying, no, Timothy, that should be a fire. That shouldn't be just a, a flickering ember. It should be a fire. And he says to Timothy, you have the capacity to turn that into a fire. In fact, it's your responsibility to, to stoke up the fires of your life so that you're ablaze. And then when you bring, you know, Steve along who's on fire and we bring Corin who's along in fire and we bring Jenny along who's in fire and the, we all come together as fire, something's going to burn down. A bonfire. But if we come together as little smouldering wicks, there's not going to be much to show for it. And so we've got a, cult, a Christian culture that says the wealth 
of wisdom, your next best thing, your next thing's going to come from what you can get out there. Go to Kurong and find a book on how to get on fire and learn the principles. No, stir up the gift that is within you. You have the presence of the Most High God living in you. If he can't speak to you and give you the answers, no one can. And so we've got this default mechanism. I'm not saying we can't learn from other people. But if that's always our default, then we never learn to stand strong on our own. We never learn how to win the battle in our, you know, with God and me together. I've always got to run to somebody. And you know what we do as church leaders? We love that when everyone's dependent on us because it makes us feel good. Oh, they need me. No, you shouldn't need me. You should need Jesus. My job's to point you to him. He's got the solution. He's got your answer. He's got your strength. He's got your victory because he's got your mind and he's got your heart and he's got your spirit and he's got your soul. And if there's a stronghold there, he can break it. And if there's a hurt there, he can heal it. If there's a wound there, he's the answer to it. And so we've got, we've got to reinvigorate this culture where we stir ourselves up and it requires discipline. So if you struggle on a Sunday morning to get into worship, come at 9.30 and pray and stir yourself up. You might start off real flat. When you see me get out of bed in the morning, it's not very pleasant because I can hardly walk. I'm like, oh, geez, everything's aching. And, you know, I get in the shower or sometimes I have a spa and then I start to move a bit faster. And by about 10 o'clock after I've had a coffee and something to eat, I'm moving. But we're like that as people, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we need to warm ourselves up. And it's not, it's, not, it's not a bad process. It's a normal process. Sometimes we've got to work at what we need to do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's okay to work at these things, not striving, but just the disciplines of, you know, when you get up in the morning at six o'clock and your breath smells bad and you're tired, you don't just suddenly go, oh, Father, thank you for today. It's such a great day. You don't start out like that. You probably start out, Lord, I don't even want to be here, but I'm here. So, Father, would you take my bad attitude and give me a good one? Father, would you fill me with strength for today? Lord, I thank you that you are the source of my life. I thank you that you're the... And suddenly you'll find it's like the turbo band kicks in and you're off. But who's going to make you do that first discipline thing? Do I need to ring everybody on a Saturday morning and say there's a men's prayer meeting at 7 o'clock? Paul, be there. I know it's good for him. I know if he comes with the right attitude, he'll get something out of it. But if he comes with the right attitude, you know, something he'll bless somebody else. But who's going to make him make that decision? If the church makes people make those decisions, it's legalism. And then you feel resentful about your leadership putting pressure on you to do things. We don't want to make you do things out of some obligation. I want you to do things out of adoration for God, but also knowing that these disciplines, this sound mind, actually positions me to get the most out of my Christian faith. So we've got to raise our voice. Some of you might not have a good singing voice. Who cares? You're not singing for me. You're singing for God. So stir up the gift that is within you. You don't have to go to Kurong or Word or the Liberty Centre or any other church or denomination. It's resident within you. And Paul was telling Timothy, I know you've got it there because I prayed for you that the Spirit of God would enter you and fill you. So I saw that happen. So I know the deposits there. 
Just withdraw what you need. So if you need strength, ask for strength. I want to give you a, a great example of this. Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one gets the prize? So run that race in such a way that you may win. So run your Christian life so that you win it. Don't endure it. Don't just survive it. Win it. Win this Christian life. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath or a crown. But we do it to receive an imperishable, glorious crown in heaven. That's why we run this race. Therefore, Paul's saying, I run in such a way as, as not with, without aim. I don't, like, I'm not a shadow boxer. He's saying, I run this Christian race so that I beat my body into submission. I make it do what I want it to do so I get the prize. He learned that this physical body that his spirit and his soul was being carried around in could go through great limits if he pushed it. And if he drew from the well of the Spirit of God, Paul could do amazing things. Okay, So he finds himself in a prison cell with Silas after he's had the crap beaten out of him. And he doesn't know whether they're going to kill him the next day. I tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be sitting in those chains crying. Oh, woe is me. How did I get myself into this? You know, what did they do? They moved in the opposite spirit. I'm sure their physical bodies were aching. They were bleeding. They were sore. They were sorry. I don't know what feelings and emotions were going through them, but they took a step of discipline and they started to praise God. Opposite spirit. They exchanged what they didn't have for what God could give them. And that principle of the exchanged life is not something that we've taught believers. It is no longer Mark that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Now, I can choose to live the old fleshly way. I can choose to have the old mind. I can choose to let my, you know, my emotions take over or I can discipline myself to have the mind of Christ, to let the Spirit of God govern my emotions, to push my body to the limits. You know, when we go on mission trips and we, and we stay up later and we pray more and we do stuff, people go, this is fantastic. I feel so good. I feel alive. It's because you're doing the things you were supposed to do. And then we come home and we get back into the old routines and we go, oh, this is so hard. It's not very fulfilling. It's not much fun. And Where's God in all this? Stir up the gift. You were stirring up the gift. You were speaking out. You were praying. You were believing God. You were doing the things that stir the pot up. And the fan of the flame was starting to rise because you were doing what God's called you to do. We've got to learn that lesson. We've got to fan into flame our own faith life. We've got to take responsibility when we're flat and when we're down for doing the things that will build us up and raise us up and stoke that fire up again. Sure, ask other people to pray for you. Have other people in your life. But at the end of the day, they're not responsible for you. You're responsible for yourself. So here's the great exchange. I got Christ's righteousness for my sin. I exchanged it. Instead of the wrath of God being poured out on me, I've now got peace with God. Instead of condemnation, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I exchanged that. I no longer am going to face death. I'm going to have eternal life with Christ, the great exchange. 
My old man died. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I'm a new man. Spiritually, I'm alive. I can worship God in spirit and in truth. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Moses went to Mount Sinai, God said, Moses, go and consecrate the people. I'm going to come and I'm going to speak to them. And God descended on Mount Sinai with lightning and thunder and like everyone was terrified. And, and, and God said, Moses, go and tell the people to get ready because I'm going to come and speak to them. And so they came out in the morning, the whole nation stood at the base of the mountain and Moses spoke to God in front of a million people and every one of those one million people heard God speak. He spoke out the Ten Commandments, if you read your Bible. And you know what the people did? Moses, don't let God speak to us. We might die. You speak to us. You set my heart on fire. You be the one that stirs me up. You take responsibility for my spiritual well-being. I'll, I'll opt out. And what we've got to learn to do is say, no, I want to be the one who hears the voice of God. I want to be the one who knows the presence of God. But it's going to take discipline. We're going to have to learn to break through the physical barriers of our own weariness and fatigue. We're going to have to break through the mental barriers. When the enemy comes and goes, ah, I'm going to plant this thought in your mind, you're going to go, I'm going to take that thought captive in Jesus Christ and make it obedient to him. I'm going to exchange that for God's truth. Think about these things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever. You know, the Bible is our solution. That's our exchanged language. So speak it out. Don't be frightened. I'm exchanging the law for grace. God's not going to love me anymore no matter what I do. I still can't get my head around that because I'm so wired up to do stuff. But my stuff doesn't mean anything to God, really. It's grace. When I'm weak, he's strong. Now, I suffer from fatigue. I'm someone who doesn't have a body that can go 16 hours a day and you know, has endless, boundless reserves of energy. I have to draw from God all the time. There's some mornings I literally drag myself out of bed to go and do what I've got to do. I tell you, I can outlast most of you. Not in my strength. Not in my strength. I can only do it in God's strength. And I've learned that I've had to do that to get through, you know, to to go on mission trips where you just feel so exhausted in the morning. You go, God, how am I going to do this? You're not. I'll do it through you. If you'll present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, you just watch what I'll do with your body. I'll raise it up. I'll give it the strength that you need. I'll give you the unction to know what to speak. You know, do you think pastors wake up some weeks and go, I know exactly what I'm going to speak on this morning? You know? We have to wrestle with those things. We have to break through our fatigue. We get the enemy coming and saying, who are you to stand up and teach those people? You know, you did that the other day. You've, you've disqualified yourself. You know, we're just humans. And we have to fight like you have to fight. And this is what we've got to teach each other, to be disciplined and stir one another up, but stir ourselves up more importantly. Because if we can't do that, then we're, we're trapped we really will default to the lowest common denominator. When if we can get people to know how to, you know, lift themselves up in Christ, lift themselves. It's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So my impurity is now God's has given me purity. My external morality is now the holiness of God in me. My self-strength is now God's power, tribulation is now peace, defeat is now victory, sorrow is now joy. It works. 
Now, this is our job description. I just want to remind you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon, put your name in there. Because God has anointed me to preach good news to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of God's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. There's the great exchange. To appoint unto them mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of ashes, crown for ashes. So we're going to take their ashes, their despair, their pity off them and we're going to give them a crown of glory. We're going to exchange what they've got. We're going to give them the oil of joy instead of their mourning, instead of sitting around moping, we're going to give them joy. Nothing better than a Christian that's got joy. They're fun Christians. They're the ones I like hanging around. But that's the great exchange, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Ever come to church and felt heavy? Do you know the antidote? Praise. Does your body feel like it? Uh-uh. Do your emotions feel like it? Uh-uh. So what do you got to do? Do what Paul said. Give your body a kick. Hey, legs, stand up. Arms, raised. Heart, good attitude. Thank you, Lord. I've got a good attitude this morning. <laughs> but I guarantee you it will come because it's a discipline and we don't teach people because it's not very popular, is it? being told to grow up a bit or to get a bit tough or to get a bit steely. Oh, what are you sitting down for? Would you sit down in the presence of a king? Would I stand in your presence or to my knees would I fall? Will I sing hallelujah or will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. What a great song about being in the presence of God. Now here's it. That they may be called the trees of righteousness. Thrive. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Why do you think God needed to indwell us? Why couldn't it just stay the Old Testament covenant? Like, why did the third person of the Trinity have, why was that God's design? Have you ever thought long and hard about why God changed that dispensation to be one where we not go to a place of worship, we carry the place of worship. It's a profound thing to get your head around, that all I need is within me. It's not me, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory that I carry. It's Christ in me that can give me the strength. It's the mind of Christ that I can have. It's the strength of God that I can have. It's the attitude that I can exchange. It's the weariness that I can exchange. It's the bad mood that I can exchange. So you come to church on Sunday morning, you've had a fight with your partner. So what? Exchange it. Sorry, Lord. I'll give you that and I'll take this and I'll praise you. It's, it's a very simple principle, but it's sort of like it's hard to get the cogs moving. But you'll find once they begin to move, God will meet you. It's faith. It's actually faith. You might not start on all eight cylinders. You might start coughing and spluttering. Now, Matt's got himself a new car, and Matt needs to pull the choke out to get this car going. And I tell you, when he starts it, it sounds like a tractor. When he turned up at work the other day, I thought, what's, what's coming in the driveway? Oh, it's only a Telstar. But he's had to learn to turn the choke on and get it just at the right, right point to get that car moving. And we're a little bit like that. Sometimes we've got to pull the choke out. Sometimes we've got to do some things that activate us. And the laying on of hands was what Paul was saying 
was the impartation of God into Timothy. That was when God came and he was imparted. But Paul was telling Timothy, you're responsible for the activation. But we wait for Billy Graham to come or we wait for Ken Fish to come or we wait for somebody to come to activate me. Do you see what we're setting up if we think that way? We're a bunch of losers that are so dependent on a man. Whereas we should be saying, no, God's got my solution. He's got my answer. He's got my need met already. His needs are already met. He's perfect. And I can take what's his and make it mine. That's the blessing of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. That's all I've got to say. I hope you learn that principle. Nobody taught me that. I had to learn it the hard way. You know, struggling to know, why do I feel so heavy? What do I do about this heaviness? What do, what do I do about the worries of the world? How do I get these off me? And put on the garment of praise. Oh, what's that mean? Put on worship music. I don't feel like listening to worship music. Exactly the point. Discipline, put it on. No runner feels like, you know, busting their lungs out to run a mile at full pelt and destroy their body unless they want to win. And so if we want to win the race of life, the Christian life, and, and thrive at it, then we've got to be disciplined enough to know how to stir myself up in Christ. I'm not talking about whipping ourselves up into a frenzy so we put the volume up 10 times louder so then we'll feel like we're doing it 10 times better. No, it's an inner, it's an inner transaction between you and God. It's allowing God to be the master of your life allowing the, the well of the Spirit of God to be what you draw from. And when you learn how to do that, you've got to keep going back for water every day. And we've got to learn to keep drawing from God, drawing from God. And so learn the discipline. When you hit the wall, emotionally or spiritually or mentally, you can get through it. Exchange what you feel for what God will give you. And you'll be victorious. And you'll find that that pattern of behaviour makes you stronger and stronger. And what you, you look back when you first became a Christian, you think, gee, I do that a lot better now than I did back then. But that's the way it should work, that your mind should be so much stronger now. Those doubts and fears and anxieties that you had when you first started shouldn't be like that anymore. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, boundless love, power, inexhaustible power and a sound Christ-like mind that can face this life and everything that it will throw at us, all the busyness, all the disasters, all the stress, and we should be able to wash through that through the power of God and live victoriously. Because if we can't, then Christianity doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, what's the point of doing it? It's got to work and it does work, but we've got to have the discipline to push, to push. You know, not many Christians learn how to push, to push themselves because we get despondent and we get discouraged and we look around and we go, well, who's going with me? I'm the only one. You know, the Bible says never be lacking in zeal. Who's passionate today? Because if you're not, who's going to resolve that for you? You have to. So whatever it is that gets you zealous for the things of God, 
do it. Stir it up. Fan it into flame. Set yourself on fire. What did John Wesley say? Show me someone who's on fire and I'll show you all the people who will come to watch him burn. You know, there's something about somebody who's on fire for God that is contagious. And that's who we're supposed to be. When we lose our job, when our marriage is in trouble, when our kids are annoying us, when we should be able to navigate through those things in such a way that we come out victorious and joyful and praising God that we're alive for the privilege of life, not, oh my goodness. We are the bearers of the presence of the Most High God. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You might be the only Bible somebody ever reads and the way that you respond will be a testament. The test becomes your testimony because out of that test, you discipline yourself, you respond like God wants you to do and you win the victory and then you can look back and rejoice in all that God is doing with you. So I want you to lay your hand on your stomach this morning. We'll pretend that's where the Lord is, but he's not in your stomach, you know what I mean. It gets a bit weird, doesn't it? But Father, I want to thank you that, that you loved us so much, that you gave your son to be seated at the right hand of the Father, that he could send one just like you, the counsellor, the advocate, the spirit of Jesus to live in us so that, Father, all our needs could be met in your will and purpose that all the grace and the mercy of heaven could flow to us. Father, we thank you for that great exchange. We celebrated it this morning in communion. But anyone who wants to gain their life has to lose it. Lord, teach us to lay down our own lives, lay down our fears, our worries, our lack. And Father, help us to take up what you will supply. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Your grace is sufficient for me. I thank you, God, that there's not one situation that any of us will ever face where you won't meet us and when you won't provide for us and you won't give us what we need. Father, teach us to ask you for what we need and help us, Lord, to remember that greater is he that is in me living in me, because in you we live and breathe and have our very being. And Father, today I want to pray that you would help us individually and corporately to stir ourselves up so that we are a firebrand for the kingdom of God, so that, Lord, we are like a a dynamo that doesn't need to keep being wound up all the time, or if we do need to be stirred, God, it's not this great effort, but, Father, it's just a little a little stir of the stick to get us moving again. Father, help us to be people that are ready, alive, vibrant, passionate, zealous with the things of God. Lord, teach us how to open our lives up to you in such a way that you can teach us and train us how to be alive in you to our full potential so that, Lord, we can win this life. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you that you love them so much, that you didn't just give your spirit to a select few, but you poured out your spirit without measure to every believer, every man, woman or child that will call upon the name of the Lord. They shall be saved and they shall be filled with the promise of the living God. 
And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you rule and you reign over every one of our lives. And this morning, God, we, we declare that we give you back our bodies as a living sacrifice. Lord, we lay them on the altar willingly and say, Lord, use our bodies for your glory. Where they're weak, Lord, make them strong. Where they're tired, Lord, renew them. Father, may we draw from you for our bodies. Lord, in our soul, the Bible says the heart is wicked beyond anything else. And yet, Lord, you say it's the wellspring of life. Guard it. So, Lord, guard our emotions and our hearts so that they're set apart for you. Lord, our, our, our longing, our, our emotions are just overwhelmed with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and all that fruit of the Spirit. Father, we want to be people that navigate life with a sense of victory and conquest. And we thank you, God, that you can give that to us, that that's the promise of our inheritance in you. Lord, I thank you for these minds that you've given us, these brains that can meditate, that can, that can have vision, that can you know, get their heads around concepts that are almost impossible to understand. And yet we are supernatural beings in you. Because of you, our minds can be just like yours. We can know your good and perfect will for our lives. We can meditate on the things of Christ. So I thank you, Lord, that no matter what the gates of hell throw at us, you are our victor. You are our rock. You are our shield. You are our fortress. You are our strength. So, Father, today, soul, spirit, body, mind, we surrender it to you. And, Father, teach us how to grow. Teach us how to be strong. Teach us how to persevere. Teach us how to be joyous in tribulation. Teach us how to rejoice in the midst of our adversity. Teach us how to be strong in the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, would you pour yourself to overflowing in all our lives?